What's going on, everybody? We are live. Hey, it's Reverend Lyle Lewis, a.k.a. Sean Lou. Thank you guys for tuning in yet one more time. Um, I appreciate it uh, to the fullest, and I thank you all for joining me. Um, checking for technical difficulty type stuff, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got to make sure, you know, I show, you know, make sure everything's going on and, and working properly up in here. You know what I'm saying? Doing good things. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, thank you guys if you're on the podcast or if you are on the stream line. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, so much for tuning in. My Again, my name is Reverend Lyle Lewis, where I'm a minister at the Word Evangelistic Church. That is correct. I am a minister at the Word Evangelistic Church. I am not the pastor. The pastor is Prophet Willis E. Townsend, and the co-pastor is Prophet Denise Townsend. Um, by all means, if you are able to, please hop over to the Word Evangelistic Church channel on YouTube, and please listen, listen, listen to what this man has to say, because the pastor of the Word Evangelistic Church, which is my pastor, Prophet Willis E. Townsend, is a great man of God, a very wise, very knowledgeable man of God. Um, he knows his stuff. And he's the one that taught me everything I know about the Bible and everything, uh, how to break the word of God down, how to discern spirits, all these different kinds of things. And now all these things that he taught me, I'm converting unto you guys, my faithful viewers. And again, I'm not necessarily doing this to, you know, more or less build myself up. You know, I can, you know, preach and, and help save your soul. But again, you know, let me get you to somebody, you know, who, who, you know, not to say that I don't. Yeah, that I doubt my abilities, but more or less, I don't have a church. I just have a ministry. It's different. I have a ministry where I'm preaching the word of God. He has a church where his ministry is to, you know, do the same. But again, he's the pastor of a church. I'm just a minister who works underneath him. So by all means, if you can hop over to the word evangelistic church where the pastor's probably Willie C. Townsend. We have a Wednesday and Friday night Bible class um, that starts about uh, eight o'clock. Yeah, 8, 8.30, and we're on the streamline at around that time, 8, 8.30. Um, by all means, uh, I understand that, you know, some of you guys are not in the local listings of, you know, central time, like here, where, where we're at in Chicago, Illinois. But by all means, if you can, click like and subscribe, hit the bell icon for the Word Evangelistic Church, so that whenever he does come on, you will be the first to be notified so that you can listen to all the spiritual things that the Word of God has in store for you. And by all means, I ask that you do the same for me. Give me some kills and clisses, click like and subscribes, and I will be forever grateful and thankful. And this will also help the, you know, help YouTube to put the content in front of more viewers so that the Word of God can spread forth, all right? So, uh, by all means, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, thank you guys for tuning into the uh, live stream and on the podcast again. Now we're going to go ahead and dive into the word of God. Now, today's lesson is coming from uh, the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter and 31st verse. Now, remember last week I was teaching about, sorry about the noise in the background. We got a train in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear it. But um, last week we were talking about uh, where is God at in the church? Now, mind you, this is, this is more or less aimed at how these churches are teaching the word of God uh, uh, to deceive the people, or they're not teaching the fullest of the word of God. More or less, they're just doing nothing but collecting money. They're just doing nothing but, you know, trying to build fame and fortune and prestige for the pastor and a name for the church, as opposed to actually saving people's souls. That's the whole purpose of the church and the pastor in the church is to find a way to reach the people to bring them unto God, okay? Don't get me wrong. 
tithes and offering and things of, you know, dues and so forth in the church, they are orchestrated in the church because unfortunately the church does need money to keep the doors open. But that should not be the church's only function. But again, if you want more details of what's going on with that episode, hop over to the last episode that I did, where is God and where is uh where is the other side of God in the church? You, you can tell the difference because this one says part two. So the other one that doesn't say part one, that's probably the one you're looking for. So, um, but we're going to go ahead and dive into the word of God. Grab my Bible. All right. So taken from the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter in the 31st verse, and it reads, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. All right. Now, again, the title of this lesson is where's the other side of God part two. Now, the thing of it is, it's like Paul said, Paul was preaching to the Hebrews and he was saying it's, it's a bad thing to fall into the hands of God. Why? If you fall into the hands of an angry God, there is nobody there that's going to deliver you out of God's hands. There's nobody powerful, strong enough, mighty enough. There's nobody with that much amount of money. I don't care what's going on. You got to understand at the end of the day, God controls all things. He controls the, your living. He controls your conditions. He controls your health. He controls everything. He can turn any man's heart towards you or turn it against you. He can change any man's circumstances and situations like that. Okay. He can put any man on the verge of death in seconds because God controls all things. So therefore, you know, it's, it's, this is the reason why I chose this scripture because you got to understand Everybody only wants to see the one side of God. Everybody just wants to say God is love. Uh, God is a God of, of mercy and, 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 and he is. All right. We got that established. God is love. God is grace. God is mercy. He said before he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So we see that God loves us as his people. God even says he's not willing that any man shall perish, but that all, but this is the scripture that also that needs to be brought out to you guys, but that all should come to repentance. All right. But you get to where everybody, you know, a lot of these churches are just telling you, yeah, come and repent. And then they're basically teaching that once saved, always saved. That's not the case. OK, you got to you have to get saved and maintain your salvation. You have to keep it and hold it until the end. All right. Prime example, if you look at um, how uh, Jesus Christ gave the parable of the stewards and he said he gave them all talents. All right. These talents could have been anything from spiritual gifts to just regular salvation or anywhere in between. Okay. Callings to preach or whatever. Don't tell them what these spiritual gifts were. And I don't mean it in the sense of it's no telling as far as we don't know exactly. I mean, it could have been any of those things, but most definitely it was something along those lines. The person with the five talents could have been given the gift of, of uh, he could have been given talents of prophecy, this, that, and I'm just, I'm talking spiritually. I understand he was talking so in a natural sense with that pair with that parable, but to speak in a spiritual sense, there could have been, you know, uh, uh, spiritual gifts along with a ministry, um, you know what I'm saying? Along with, you know, doing good works and so forth and so forth. And the one, the two talents could have just been, you know, salvation and, you know, their service to the church. And the one, the one talent could have just been, he needs you just to get saved. You get what I'm saying? That's why I say, you know, those talents could have been a range of anything. But notice how it was that when the one didn't come back and make usury of his talents, notice how God was very displeased with him. Okay. Now understand this. It's up to you as the individual to seek after God. All right. Because again, God is not just love. Notice what I said. He's not just love and grace and mercy. There is a side of God that is jealous. 
angry. He is a uh, 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 very fearful, wrathful, judging. He is, if you read your Bible, it says it all through them. And we're going to go ahead and break down the scriptures. And I'm going to bring out other scriptures as the Lord you know, places them on my heart. Okay. Now, if God is only a God of mercy and forgiveness, why would the scripture say in Hebrews 10 and 26? And we're going to go ahead and go into that. Here's the Bible right here. We're going to go ahead and go into that. We're going to break this down scripture by scripture. Now, why would the Bible say in the book of Hebrews to 10 and 10 to 26 verse, it says the, it says there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Now let's go to 10 and 26. All right. Now it says, for if we sin willfully after that, we have received knowledge of the truth. Now, what is knowledge of the truth? Meaning it does not necessarily mean that you've gotten this extensive knowledge of of, of, of the deepness of the word of God. Knowledge of the truth also comes along the lines of once you gain knowledge that God is existent and that the Bible isn't existent and here for your ammunition, in other words, written for your example to follow, written for your example to go by to, so that you know what to do, what not to do. Once you come into the knowledge of that, see, God didn't say once you come into the wisdom and understand it said once you come into the knowledge, Okay, we have knowledge that there's a million dollars out there, but a lot of us don't have it. We have knowledge of gold, diamonds, this and that, but a lot of us don't have it. Does that mean that it doesn't exist? It does. But you have the knowledge of it, even though you may not have seen it, even though you may not have touched it, even though you may not have owned it, it's still out there. So therefore, like the Bible says, it says, for if we sin willfully, that uh, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge. It's coming to, it's come into and, and to tell us that, hey, we know that it's there. We know that there's a God. We know that there's a Bible. We know that there is a way for us to follow God. There's instructions and steps and things like that. Once we come into the knowledge that there's somebody out there preaching the gospel so that the word of God can go forth and teach you how to be saved, you come into the knowledge. Now, mind you, this does not necessarily mean Right here, this doesn't necessarily mean because there's different levels to it. Okay, you got to where those that are not saved, they come into the knowledge of it. Now, what does this mean? This means that when you stand before God, you can't say that you didn't know. But for those of us that are saved, when it says that once you come into the knowledge, now those of us that are saved, that is where it comes into where it's like, okay, we know to do stuff, but yet we're happily walking off into sin. We're happily committing sin. We're happily doing things that's not upholding the word of God. Then for those of us, it's to the extreme. God deals with everybody, you know, in different ways, depending on, you know, you know, what state of life you're in. You, are you somebody that's not saved? Okay, you come into the knowledge of the truth. You know what I'm saying? You come into the knowledge of it, but you're rejecting it. Those of you that who once were saved, and you, you, of course, you are already in the knowledge, you got saved, but then you wind up leaving God for whatever reason, backsliding for whatever reason, yeah, you're going to receive a worse punishment. Why? The Bible says those that know to do good and don't are beaten with many strikes. Last time I checked, you don't beat somebody that you love, okay? If God is just love and mercy and sunshine, roses and daisies and whatnot, then I highly doubt that God would be beating anybody. I highly doubt that there will be scriptures that talk about hellfire, judgment, the second death, the, 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 the judgment of God, all that stuff. I'm pretty sure that all that stuff will not be in the Bible. Okay. Understand this. Being a good person is not good enough. 
God didn't tell you to be a good person only. He said, get saved. And when you get saved, then be a good person. He didn't say just hand out food baskets. He said, get saved. Then you go and hand out food baskets. Then you go out and preach the gospel. Then you go out. But you have to have salvation first and foremost. You've got to give your life over to God. You know what I'm saying? Why is that? Because then this way you identify with God. See, if we don't identify with God, then how does God, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 you know, like, okay, like the Bible says, if you're ashamed to own up to God, God's going to be ashamed. Jesus Christ said, I'll be ashamed to own you in front of my father. Identify that you're with God. How do you identify everything? First and foremost, it's not by me running out, telling everybody. No, it's by me living in the word of God, being obedient to the word of God, coming up to what the word of God tells me to do. Okay, my identification first starts with the word. Well, what about salvation and the sinner's prayer and all this other kind of stuff? Don't get me wrong. That's one good place to start. But you, but if that's all if that, if that is the main part to start with, why do you got so many of them out there that that's all that they did and they're still living in sin? Why do you got so many of them out there that just said, okay, I'm saved. I said the sinner's prayer, yet they're back out in the world. So you have step A, which is, you know, you being called to salvation instead of prayer. But you have part B, which is being, which is living according to the word of God. So therefore, it's not just one piece, one part. All right. You have to live the word of God. You have to be taught the word of God. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the mouth salvation part is all well and good. But if the heart isn't there, there's no point. See, you got a lot of people who got a lot of mouth and they went and said the sinner's prayer, but it wasn't in their heart to serve God. Not in your heart to serve God, then, you know, you're not going to serve him. You know what I'm saying? And if you're not going to serve him, then you're going to be somebody who allows yourself to become deceived, to believe that there's only one side of God. Because, because, and the reason why you're going to allow yourself to be deceived is because the knowledge that, of that, that, that there's judgment and hellfire in your future you're not going to want to deal with it. You're not going to want to accept that because you're going to understand you're the person that's, that these scriptures are talking about. So you're going to allow yourself to believe a lie that God is only love and grace and mercy and that only God can judge you. And don't get me wrong, God will judge you, but how is he going to judge you? According to his word, the Holy Bible, his word, the word of God. That's how he's going to judge you. He's not going to judge you just by knowing your heart. You got to understand that the Bible said, from the abundance of the heart, the man speaketh. The, from the abundance of the heart, man does everything. So if you just got saved mouth-wise, and then now you're out living whatever kind of life you want to live, if you're just somebody who swears up and down that all I have to do is just read or just believe or just be a good person, I'm telling you right now, you're heavily deceived. Why do I tell you that? Because when you die, you will experience the other side of God. You will experience that side of God of judgment, of wrath, of anger, of jealousy. You will experience that side of God and it's not going to be pretty because you got to understand God didn't just, God didn't send Christ down here to die for our sins for no reason. Okay. It's not like Christ didn't have anything else better to do in heaven. No, he did this to bring us back unto God. Don't get me wrong. Even us as people, when we go to do something for somebody and then they don't show proper thanks or give the proper response, we get mad at them. We get upset with them. I'm not gonna do nothing for them. They didn't say thank you. I'm not gonna do nothing for them. I did such and such for them. I set them up with this. I gave them that information. I did this, I did that. And they sat on it. They didn't do anything with it. They went the opposite way. I said, go this way. They went that way. I said, go up. They went down. I said, move. They stood still. So why am I gonna keep waste, wasting my time? Well, how do you think God feels? God is going to 
endure with you. He's going to try to reach out to you. But eventually, there's going to come a time where enough reaching out, now it's time for you to come back to God. That's not the time for you to try to go run to God then. Oh, God is a God of love and grace and mercy. He is, but hold it. You had a whole, you know what I'm saying? If you died at the age of 50, you had a whole, you know, what? You know, 39, 40, 50, you know, years. However long you, you know, it took for you to come to the knowledge of God fully from a child up. You had all those years to serve God. Now, within the last year of your life on your deathbed, now you want to know, well, you know, uh, I, I always believed in God and, uh, I, you, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on that. All right. But if God is only a God of mercy and forgiveness, you know, the scripture in Hebrews. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're going with. So we're going with the, um, uh, the 26th verse of the 10th chapter. For if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. All right. It says no more sacrifice for sins. All right. Now. If there's no more sacrifice for sins, then where is this part that, that God is only a God of grace, mercy, and love? And, and Okay, an individual that has love, undying love, and I'm not saying that God does not. He does. But not for those that are going against the word of God. Not for those that have knowledge of the word of God and live in contrary. Not for those that salvation has been issued to them and you're just forever rejecting it. You see, you got to understand, you know, God is not going to have it be where he's going to keep on, you know, coming to you. Look at the uh, 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 look at the book of Jonah. Jonah had to go to Nineveh to preach the word of God. Right now, of course, we all know the whale, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. We're not talking about that part. The part we're getting to is the message that he sent to Nineveh. He sent the prophet to the king of Nineveh and said, God is going to give you 40 days to repent. You look in the book of Revelation, God gave these churches in the book of Revelations a space of time to repent and get things right. He told Jezebel in the book of Nineveh, I mean, in the book of Revelations, he said, you know, I'm going to give her space to repent. And if she doesn't, I'm going to put her in a bed of affliction and those that commit fornication with her. Now, the first thing we always want to do is just say, God is love. God is love. Well, you got to understand the, you know, the hourglass is, is, is running out on, on that whole love and grace and mercy part. God's grace and mercy and love is being extended to you now by individuals like me, my pastor and other holy individuals that are preaching the word of God, reaching out to you, inviting, giving you the hand of welcome to salvation. Those of us that are trying to snatch you out of the fire. This is God's love and grace and mercy now right here. In what we're telling you, this is God's grace, love and mercy right here in the word of God. It's not just in what you say or what you think or what you believe, because honestly, if you honestly knew what to do, you would do it. But see, everybody wants to do things their way. So the Bible tells us we can't do things our way. It says we and he said there's a way that seemed right unto man in the of his ways of death, which is part of the reason why so many people are not seeking after God. Which is a part of the reason why so many people only believe that there's only one side of God. Because man is trying to do things their way. So therefore, if you want to do things your way, what are you going to do? You're going to set up beliefs that accommodate the way you're doing things. 
Notice a man's mind. When you grow up, as you grow up, you grow to believe a certain thing based off your life's experiences, right? Now, in what you believe, there's certain ways that you're going to act, be it towards people, circumstances, situations, jobs, whatever. There's certain ways you're going to act and certain mindsets you're going to have adopted to the way that you act because of what you believe, because of what you've been through. It's the same way spiritually. And especially spiritually, because you got to understand, you also have an extra factor spiritually, because you have it where the moment you accept a way that is not the God's way, the moment you accept the way that's not God's way, automatically Satan's going to make sure that it help you walk down that path to make sure you stay deceived, lost, confused, and whatnot. See, it's very complex when you're dealing with God and the spirit of God and the things of God. All right. It's not just where it's just it can be cut and dry if you can make it cut and dry. But when you start trying to do things your way, that's when it starts becoming complex. But see, Satan will tell you opposite. He'll tell you serving God is complex. Doing it your way is simple. That's not the case. All right. Now it says it comes and says, now, mind you, it says um, now we're going back in the 26th verse. It says um, there remaining no more sacrifices sin. Now on the 27th verse, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Now, mind you, again, if God is just love, if God is just grace and God is just mercy, why would it say in the 27th verse, but a certain fearful looking for, meaning this is something we're looking forward to. This is something you got to look forward to in the future. Those of you that are only want to see the one side of God or don't want God at all, or you know, you're, 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 you're not fully saved, you're a backslid or whatever. Those of you that fall into this category of, of, of falling in the hands of an angry God says there's a fiery indignation to look forward to. It says, what is it? It says, but certain fearful. I mean, this is something that you are, you should be afraid of. You should be afraid to die. You should be afraid to go to sleep at night. You should be afraid to conduct your normally normal day-to-day -day routine activities because at any given point in time, God can pull the plug on your life. And then next thing you know, but here it is. You said God was nothing but grace and mercy. Okay, how many people are in hell right now burning that said God is love, God is grace, God is mercy. You think you're the first person? Think you're the only person? Satan's got millions of people deceived believing that God is just a God, just a God of grace, just a God of love, just a God of mercy. But the Bible says right here, it says there, you said that those of us who fall into the hands of an angry God, how do you fall into the hands of an angry God? Let's deal with that right quick. How does one fall into the hands of an angry God? One, being an unbelief. Two, not coming up to the word of God. Three, uh, 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 when the word of God is being sent out to you, 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 you basically disallow it. You do, in other words, you don't, you ignore it. Four, backsliding. Speaking against the word of God. Not living right according to the word of God. These are all things that will put you in the hands of an angry God. Because mind you, you can't do anything against the word of God without getting God's attention. Mind you, God sees all things, knows all things. So therefore, whatever it is that you're doing, not doing, that goes against the word of God, you better believe God has it recorded and written down. He already knows. Now, you fall into the hands of an angry God. And then it tells us that in the 27th verse right here, it says, we have to look for a fearful judgment and fiery indignation. 
Where is, I don't see grace and mercy in the scripture. So why is it that so many people are deceived? Why is it that you that is listening to this, that's not saved or that backslid only believes that God is a God of grace and a God of mercy? Why are you only believing just that aspect? You have to believe the fullness of the word of God. The fullness of God is a good side, graceful, merciful, loving. And then there's also the side of God that is angry, jealous, and so forth and so forth. But see, if you only believe the one side, then you're going to think that you're okay. I can do what I want because God is love. See, it's the ones that know about that other side of God are the ones that's like, I'm going to serve God till the day I die. It's the ones that understand that other side of God are the ones that say, I'm gonna serve God to the day I die. Why? One, we don't wanna fall into the hands of an angry God. Me, I got saved when I got saved. Understand, I got saved at 19. So understand, there is no certain age where an individual can get saved, all right? I'm 40 years old now. I got saved at 19. I've lived my majority of my life as in salvation. Growing in salvation, learning, maintaining my salvation, not just saying I'm saved. I grew in my salvation. I upheld my salvation. How did I do it? By walking upright according to the word of God. Because I understood at a young age. I came into the knowledge at a young age. That while God is a God of grace and mercy, that grace and mercy is not going to extend on forever unless I get saved. Unless I start walking upright according to how God wants me to walk upright. Unless I start living the word of God. But see, this is where unbelief comes in at. So you got to where so many people are either deceived or they're just in stone cold unbelief of their self because they don't believe that God is going to do anything to them. They don't believe that God is going to, or they, or they're deceived in believing that they're okay. They're believed in deceiving that, okay, well, I got saved. That should be good enough. You know, I went to church and, you know, every now and then I stopped by for communion. I pay my tithe. The Bible didn't just tell you to take communion. It didn't just tell you to pay tithes. It didn't just tell you to go to church. There's several things that the word of God has told you to do. We got to come up to all of it. Dude, I have fought and wrestled with spirits and, and mind demons and all kinds of things in my life to come up to the word of God. I have fought off my way of thinking and my way of doing things to come up to the word of God because I understood that there's another side of God that if I fall into the hands of the angry God, if I fall into the hands of, uh, of as the Bible says it, uh, it says, what is it? Uh, simply said, oh, I'm sorry, in the 31st verse, not in the 31st verse, it said, fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Living God, angry God, it's dirty. I don't want to fall into God's hands in no kind of way unless he's trying to bless me. I don't want to fall into God's no kind of, God's hands no kind of way that's going to work against me in my life. Hey, wait a minute. I got a wife that I got to take care of. I got responsibilities I got to take care of. I got a life that I got to live. I got uh, 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 talents in God that I got to bring forth to God. 
I don't want to have it be where God is working against me because he saw that I was working against him first. No, let me work in the way of God. So then this way God can work in my favor. You got to where a lot of you things are going so hard and so rough in life. Why? Because you probably fell into the hands of an angry God. You fell into the hands of God and now God is bringing different types of uh, judgment on you. Judgment doesn't necessarily mean always ending. I mean, judgment does not always necessarily mean that it's just fire and brimstone and hell. Judgment can be you're falling into hardships financially. It can mean that you're falling into health problems. It can mean that you're just falling, you know, all kinds, nothing's going right. You know what I'm saying? It's no telling how God may be trying to reach you or punish you for that matter. But again, that only happens when you fall into the hands of God on his bad side. You can fall into God on his good side also. That's what I'm trying to do. I forever strive and live for God so that I can fall into the good hands of God. The hands of God that are filled with blessings, that are filled with long life, that's filled with uh, 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 me being able to, to be a blessing to my family and to those that are around me. The, the hands of God to where my ministry can grow. The hands of God to where uh, 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 doors are open up where I can do more for him and more for myself and things of that nature. You can fall into the hands of God on that side, but it all depends on you as the individual. What are you going to do? Are you going to take the steps? Are you going to follow the word of God? Are you going to do what God said? Or are you going to get saved? Are you going to stop blaming just the church? Or are you going to go seek after God for yourself? Because it ain't just the pastors that's deceiving the people. You're allowing yourself to be deceived. Because you're just believing only one side of God. All right? Now, mind you, let's go continue with this 27 verse. It says, but a fiery looking for, I'm sorry, but the, uh, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Now, who are the adversaries? All right. The adversaries are those who oppose or go against the word of God. If you're not living the word of God, you're going against the word of God. If you're not saved, you're going against the word of God. You may, you can swear up and down. Oh, I love God. I love God. Then you love him with your works, not with your words. Love him through your actions, not just through what you say. You love God, serve him. Serve him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Serve him the way that he requires us to serve him through him by the word of God. Truly serve him. Don't just say that you serve him, serve him all the way. See, the problem is you got everybody wants to just use their mouth. But this is the reason why the Bible tells us, it said God looks at the heart. He said man looks at the outer appearance. So you come to me and you say, oh, I serve God. I love God. I'm blessed by God. God, 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 grace and mercy, love me, a good person. Okay, fine. You can deceive me and tell me that you're oh so much of a great person and so forth and so forth. That's all well and good. I'm not the one that's good that you got to stand before. I don't have the word of God. I don't have a word to judge you by. God does. You can tell me and I might believe you. Okay, hey, that's great. Fantastic. Okay, great. Good for you. Okay, but when you go stand before God, let's see how much of that, oh, I love God and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Let's see how much of all that stands up in the eyesight of God. See, this is the reason why James said, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, show me your faith by your what you say. Show me your faith by your mouth. Oh, we got faith and we do, we, we this and we that and we love God and this and that. James, you'd be like, okay, uh, let me show you. I live the word of God, preaching the gospel to help save souls. I'm out trying to help build ministries. I'm help trying to build up churches so that the people of God can learn God. James had works. You can't go and stand before God saying you love God with just your mouth. You need works.
God can care less about the words. The Bible said from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak it. Now, this just doesn't mean of what you say. Because even Jesus Christ said, from the abundance of the heart proceed all kinds of evil works. So therefore, while from your heart you may believe, oh, I, I, or I should say try to deceive people in saying, oh, I believe in God. But now, okay, that's what you said with your, with your mouth. Okay, you say that comes from your heart. Let's look at the works now. Because from the heart come works. Not only, just the, not only do words come from the abundance of the heart, but your works come from the abundance of the heart. So, okay, you got the good words. Where's the works? The works should back it up. You say you're a doctor, but you got no knowledge of how to, how to, how to heal people or how to help them. You got no knowledge of medicine. You got no knowledge of the body. Then you just got, you got a bunch of words. That'd be like, I'll put it like this. Folks who swear every now that they love God is like somebody who says, I got a Ferrari. And then they bring out a Hot Wheels car and says, here it is. I got a, I got a Porsche. And then they bring out a picture on their phones and look, here it is. Okay, where is it? I don't actually, you know, it's, it's not physical. This is, this is what I got. It's just like, oh, yeah, you, okay. You, you got a form of it. You don't have it. This is the reason why the Bible goes on. Jesus Christ said, having a form of godliness. But if you're denying the power thereof, like Jesus Christ was saying, like, it's not going to stand up for you. It's not going to work for you. If I tell you I got a Porsche, I'm not going to tell you I got a Porsche unless I can give, I can show you the keys and say, come outside, come outside, or stop by the house. I'm not going to tell you I got a, you know, I got a Ferrari unless I'm going to be like, hey, look, unless I'm pulling up, beep, beep, hey, come hop in, let's go for a ride. See, God is going to look at your works and your words. He's going to, he's going to weigh them both. But see, we all just want to just have just the one thing, just the words, because this is what's easiest. You gotta understand, when you serve God, it's not gonna be to your convenience, okay? You can't just serve God according to what you want to do or take bits and pieces of salvation that you want because if that's the case, we can all just say we're saved and do whatever the hell it is that we wanna do and then go and pray to God, say, God, forgive me, go to church every now and then, and then we're okay. What's the point of faith? What's the point of the word of God? If that's all that we have to do, trust me, this 66 books will probably be confined down to maybe two. And, 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 and even that will probably be like all the Old Testament and then maybe one or two verses, you know, one or two books of the New Testament. Christ died for your sins. Go to church and, and be saved and just tell God and tell people you're saved and pray for any sins that you've gotten yourself into. and You'll be okay. Why do we have all these instructions that tell us about evil spirits, our ways, our mind, our emotions, how we're supposed to act by ourselves, how we're supposed to act towards our neighbor, how we're supposed to act towards God? Why do we have all of this? But see, when you're not trying to seek after God, when you're not trying to learn both sides of God, you're going to just believe that there's only one side of God. All right. Now, mind you, like I was saying, the adversaries are those who are uh, who are who oppose or go against the word of God. All right. If you sin against the word of God openly, happily, or meaning if you're living in sin, then yes, you're an adversary. Jesus Christ said, all that are not against, all that are for me are not against me. 
What did he mean when he said that? Meaning all the people who are doing the will of God, the will of my father, living according to the word of God, doing what it is that they were instructed to do according to the word of God. No, they're not against me. Those who are not, those are the ones that are against me. See, this is the reason why I wanted to make sure to bring all of this out because you have it where churches are not breaking this part down that you have to live according to the word of God in order to be an individual that says you're saved. You have to live according to the word of God in order to uh, stay off of that angry and fearful side of God. Don't get me wrong. For those that are saved and living all that they can and all they know how and coming up to the word of God. Yeah, there is that one side of God, grace and mercy and love and so forth and so forth. Don't get me wrong. The other side still exists, but that individual, that saved individual is going to do everything he can not to disallow or ignore that side of God, but to stay off that side of God. So you got those who have backslid because, you know, they they ignored that side of God. It's one thing to ignore it. It's another thing to stay away from it. To ignore it means that you're it, it, you're you're acting like it's not there. And see, Satan comes in and does things and he winds up pulling you over to that side of God without you even noticing it. But an individual that's fully aware of that side and doing everything he can to stay off of that side is going to fight hard against Satan, fight hard against his flesh, fight hard against how he wants to do things, fight hard to be obedient to the word of God, to stay on the good side of God. There's only one side of God for us because we're forever striving to be on that side of God. Not because we don't believe that there's another side of God. No, we're not trying to go on that side of God. We know it's there. We're not trying to pretend that it's not. But rather instead, we're living up according to the standards that God wants us to do and how he wants us to be. All right. Now, mind just going to the 28 verse. It said, uh, 21st. But a uh, certain fearful, no, I'm sorry, it said 28 verse. And it said, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy in the two or three. Now, if God is a God of grace and mercy, why would it be? Now, if you look in the Old Testament, all right? If you look all throughout the Old Testament, okay? All throughout the Old Testament, you have it where God is constantly, constantly, constantly pronouncing judgment on the people. I mean, he killed them right there on the spot for not coming up to what God, what he told them to do through Moses. What he didn't, what they didn't tell him, what they didn't do through what they were instructed to do through the other prophets. So if God is only a God of grace and mercy, why is it the Old Testament tells you, shows me there's another side of God that I need to be aware of. There's another side of God that I need to be mindful of, that I need to stay out of the way of. It's just like an angry individual. We go to work and we're like, oh, the boss is up and set and this and that and this. We do everything we can to stay out of his way. We do everything we can to stay out of the way of, an, of, of, of angry people, crazy people and whatnot. We do everything we can. We kiss up to him. We 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 just stay away from him. We give him everything that they want. But then it comes down to God. We just want to give him lip service. If I'm gonna kiss anybody's behind, it's gonna be God's. All right, don't get me wrong. You're climbing the corporate ladder or whatever. You do your thing. You know, whatever. If you guys kiss behind, but there's no way I'm gonna kiss man's behind and not kiss God's. All due respect, I'm just saying. If I'm kissing someone's behind, it's gonna be his God's first. Because if I kiss God's behind, and I'm just speaking metaphorically here, if I kiss God's behind, I assure you, I'll never have to kiss man's behind. 
Not ever. Because whatever it is that I want, the Lord will see to it that I gain success. See, this is the reason why everybody wants, they want to have it. They, they want everybody to believe that they're more blessed than the next person. I don't give a damn if you're more blessed than this person, that person, or this person. I care less how blessed you are. Congratulations for you. All right? I'm worried about me. I'm worried about my blessings. I'm worried about me getting blessed in the eyesight of God. Okay? Congratulations to you. But again, a lot of y'all are just saying it. I'm living it. That's the reason why I can care less, because you got so many people who want to say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Uh, look, get the hell out of here, man. Look, being blessed and highly favored comes with serving God. Being blessed and highly favored comes with experience in God. Being blessed and highly favored comes with you putting in the effort that God requires you to put in, living the word of God, fighting off the devil, keeping yourself in the right standard. And it don't just come with what you say. Yes, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And you got all these people out here like, oh, yeah, speak this on your life and speak that on your life. Hey, look, don't get me wrong. You might live a good life. Fantastic for you. But regardless of what's going on in my life, I'm going to serve God through the good and through the bad. Because, hey, understand this. Even if my life is a piss pot here on this earth, I got treasures in heaven that's coming. My life in heaven is going to be much better than the one down here, regardless of what I have and what I don't have. So therefore, don't get me wrong, I will strive to do everything that I can for myself to live a good life down here, but at the end of the day, there's none of this that I can carry with me. So therefore, I'm going to learn both sides of God, so that then this way I can serve God to the fullest. That's what you need to do. You need to serve God to the fullest. And you can only serve God to the fullest if you know the fullness of God, not just one side. How can I tell you the full, how can I tell you the full truth if I'm only telling you bits and pieces? How can I say you have a whole pie, but a chunk of it is cut out of it? You say you want a whole check and you get mad that the government took out taxes and you got child support, you got this and that, then it came out of your dog on check. All your, you, we get mad at man that they're, they're taking all this stuff out of our check, but then we want to give God only partial service. We want to give God only bits and pieces of our life? We want to only tell people that I'm saved? How is that fair? When God said, love me above nobody else. God said, put him first at all times. You want everything for you. But when it comes down to God, you want to give God bits and pieces. Does that sound fair? Hold it. You got to understand, God holds your life in his hands. He holds your life in his hands. Not Satan, not your parents, not your boss. You can get fired from that job and go find another one. You can't die from this earth and go get another life. There ain't no such thing as reincarnation. You're not going to die and then come back as a dog and caterpillar and then in the next life come back as a famous celebrity and then die and come back as a mule. It don't, it don't work like that, okay? Bible says it's a point on the man wants to die after this comes a judgment, not a reincarnation. If you're reincarnated, then you die and you become reincarnated as an angel of God, as an angel in heaven. If that's the kind of reincarnation you want to talk about, you make a transformation from this natural body into a spiritual body. Okay, yeah, fine. But you coming back on this earth to re, uh-uh, no, that ain't happening. No, that's not the way that it works. All right, it says, you know what I'm saying? Now, now, Mind you, now let's cover this, all right? Now, it says in the 28th verse, which we're covering, it said, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy. Now, it says, who killed these people? God. God did it. 
be it he struck him down himself or be it that he he uh had Moses to stone the people because mind you he had Moses stone the people because they violated the word of God they violated the commandments of God so therefore he had Moses hey look according to what the statutes and commandments that I said they deserve to be stoned they went against what I said Moses okay Lord hey he gives the commandment to the people stone them but either way this was the judgment of God God is the one that had them killed because it was God's law that they had that they violated that had them killed all right and they said God is the one that struck him down be it he commanded Moses to do it or be it he did it on his own because of the laws now why continue to live in sin when we read how God will judge those that are in sin you read right here Mind you, this is the New Testament talking about Old Testament things, but nonetheless, it's still relevant. Why? Because even though God may not necessarily uh, always strike you down the moment you commit sin, you got to understand judgment is coming. See, it's not that you're just going to get away with this. You may say, I repented, but did you really repent? You may say, I gave it up, but did you really get forgiven in the eyesight of God? See, here's the thing. When you only want to do little bits and portions, you leave out other details that are very important. When you want to halfway do something, you're going to leave out the most important pieces that are going to help you to get ahead. Look at how you go to work. If you halfway do your job, stuff doesn't get done. Things get messed up. Look at it in your home. If you halfway clean up your house, it's still going to stink. You're still going to have trash and garbage and dust and all that other kind of stuff laying around. You want to halfway do your dishes, you're going to get people sick. You want to halfway cook food, you're going to kill somebody. It's the same way in God. There is no halfway. Folks want to just halfway, oh, I'm saved. That's halfway. Just saying. Halfway is me telling you that I'm saved. Halfway is me uh, 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 talking about salvation. All the way, I'm living it. I ain't got to tell nobody nothing. People come to me and they say, we see that there's something different about you. What's good? Like what, man? And then I tell them, that's when my, that's my invitation. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm saved. I live for God, this and that. I get to witness into them and then I move on. But they see because they, 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 they come to me. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't talk like others. You don't act like others. You don't run with it. How is this? Because I'm serving God to the fullest. I understand that there is a side of God that is an angry side. And I also understand that there's a side of God that's loving, grace, and mercy. And I'm doing everything that I can, living up according to the word of God, to stay on the good side of God. To stay on his good side. Not that I've ignored the bad side. No, to stay on his good side, acknowledging that there's a bad side, and making sure I stay off of that bad side. That's the first thing we try to do when we're driving through. How many times have you done drove through town and you're like, oh crap, lock the doors. It's a bad neighborhood. You prepare yourself and drive to a bad neighborhood, but you don't, you, you, you don't prepare yourself to stay off the bad side of God? All due respect, I'll stay in the bad side of any neighborhood knowing that I got God. He'll protect me from all that's going on over there. Me rolling up my windows and locking the doors, hell, they can still break through the doors. You don't see carjackings? God can protect me from that if I'm serving him. I assure you, if I'm not serving God, if it's my time, it's not Dan Carjacker, I can stop. 
But at least this way, something happens to me. I die in a bad part of the neighborhood. At least I'm still in heaven. At least I still got that much going for me. Now, see, why continue to live in sin when we read how God has judged sin? In the Old Testament, God killed the people right there on the spot. In the New Testament, which we're living in now, God is building a case against you to sentence you. Satan is building a case against you to sentence you. Those that aren't saved, God is just building the case. Because you already Satan already you already Satan already got you. Those of us that are saved and or used to be saved and we backslid, God and Satan are building a case against us. And when we stand before God in judgment, those of us that erred from the faith, you gotta have it where God's gonna open up the book of works and the book of deeds and those, and he's gonna say, hey, look, this, that, that, this, and Satan's gonna be right there. Now, Lord, according to what you said in your word, what what's the judgment and punishment for him? Now, when you stand before God in judgment, I want you to throw up to God, but God, you're a God of grace, love, and mercy. You know what he's going to tell you? You're right. I am a God of great love, great, uh, great grace, love, and mercy. But it only goes out to those who are obedient to the word of God. It only goes out to those that serve me. It only goes out to those who are obedient to me. Look at us with our kids. You know what I'm saying? We all have, you know, well, I shouldn't say we all have, but there are some of us out there that we've got, you know, several children. I don't have several children, but I'm just speaking in general. There are those of us out there that have several children, right? And you have just that, one, they're, they're, you may have that one child that is just, God, they are just, in your eyes, they're just an angel. They don't do no wrong. They really are a good kid, right? You give them anything. Why? Because when you tell them to clean up, they clean up. You tell them to get good grades, they get good grades. You tell them not to do this, they don't do it. You tell them to do this and do that, they do it. They're responsible. They're they're respectful. They're loved. And you got the other kid that just like he's just a prey he or she is just a problem child. Every time you look up, you gotta yell at him. You gotta constantly stay behind him. You gotta tell him what to do three, four times, tell him what not to do seven, eight, nine, ten times, and they're still disobedient. But notice how the one that is obedient, the one that is, notice how you gravitate more to them. Not to say that you love the other one any less, but notice how the other one can get just about anything they want. Why? They earn it. How do they earn it? Through staying on your good side. Through being obedient to what you tell them to do. It's the same way in God. If you want God's grace, mercy, love, and this and that, stay on his good side. Don't act like the other side doesn't exist. No, stay on the good side. Be on the good side. How do you be on the good side? You live the word of God. You live what's been preached to you. You get under you a good church. Mind you, when I say a good church, and again, I, you know what I'm saying, I will constantly toot this dog on horn every dog on time I get on my telecast streamline or on my podcast, get in a good church where the pastor is tied in and connected to God because then he will instruct you in the full ways of God, all right? Now, it says, now it says, and giving the people, now mind you, God gives everyone space to repent. God will give you space to get things right. You know what I'm saying? He's given all people space to come to him and get their lives in order. But once it's your time to answer God, that's it. Whatever you have or have not done, it, it is what it is. That's not time to be calling on God's grace and mercy when you're on your deathbed. No, it's time now while you got your health and strength. It's time now while you have, like, you know what I'm saying? You, you have something to give back to God. 
You laying on your deathbed talking about, oh, you know, the Lord is God. I know I've done a lot of things, but God is a graceful and merciful God. It's too late now. You should have been talking about God's grace and mercy back when you had your health and strength. You should have been talking about God's grace and mercy back instead of running out, uh, uh, committing sin. You should have been talking about God's grace and mercy then and then making sure that you stay on the good side that keeps you in God's grace and mercy. See, God's grace and mercy is a side you have to stay in. It is a mode of God you have to stay in. There's a side of God that's angry. You get on God's bad side, you got to work your way on the God's good side. Or you can get on God's good side and work your way on the God's bad side. I wouldn't suggest to work your way on his bad side because there's no telling what the hell you're going to try to catch to get out of God's bad side. But it's not to say that it's impossible. If you're gonna come, if you're gonna come into God, stay on his good side. Live according to the God. If you find yourself on God's bad side, repent. What do I mean by repent? Go to God, pray for forgiveness, whatever it is that you are involved in, leave it alone and walk upright from that day forward. Show God that. By you, now you came into the knowledge of what God said you should and should not be doing. You come into the knowledge of it. Now that you come into the knowledge of it, you can't necessarily bank on God's grace and mercy. We covered that in the, in the what was it, the 26th verse? We covered that in the 26th verse where it says, uh, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of sin. So you came into the knowledge of sin once you were told that it was wrong. You came into the knowledge. Now that you come into the knowledge of it, it's time to get out of that sin. Now that you come into the knowledge of it, it's time to let those things go and pursue after God. It's not hard. Even those of you that feel as though you're lost, you feel hurt, you feel like that nobody loves you, nobody's going to forgive you, nobody's going to care for you, there still is room. God has eternal grace and mercy for you. He's got love for you, but it's up to you. You have to come to God. See, he'll come to you, but again, how is he going to come to you? Through individuals like me, preaching the gospel unto you, preaching the word of God unto you, telling you, thus saith the Lord. He's going to come to you like individuals like my pastor, Prophet Townsend. He's going to come to you, hey, get right in God like this. Do this. Here's steps to be saved, stay saved, maintain your salvation, this and that, that and this. You want to get out of God's bad side? You believe that you're in God's bad side? Come to God. Come to the word of God. Get under somebody that can teach you God. Because if you can teach yourself, you wouldn't be in a bad position. This is why I invite everybody. Hey, come to the Word Evangelistic Church. If you can't make it to, to service, by all means, listen to us on the streamline. If for whatever reason you can't get the streamline, listen to me. I'm going to only repeat to you what he's told me. The Bible says, commit what you heard on the faithful man. Everything I heard from my pastor, that's what I'm going to give to you. Now, mind you, let's, okay, let's keep going. I got a lot of stuff going on here. Hell, there might be a part three to this. I don't know. There's, there, there just might. There's, yeah, I got a lot of notes. So, you know what I'm saying? But um, going into the 29th verse, it says, of how much sore punishment. Let's stop right there. Last I checked. Now, mind you, I got a bunch of nieces, nephews, and godchildren. Um, I was a son. You know, I mean, I still am a son. I, my, my mother is still alive, so I'm still, you know, I'm still somebody's child. 
um, and I was a nie- uh, uh, not a niece, I'm sorry, I was a nephew and a godchild at, just at some point in time. I never got punished for something that I did correct. And if I did, I was able to throw up, hey, look, I did this, this is what you said. And then it was, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, and guess what? You get rewarded for it. Oh, okay, hey, yeah, no, I, hey, I'll take care of you. But, you know, being the good kid, you don't get corrected. You don't get punished. Being a good individual in God, you don't get corrected. You don't get punished. Now, you might get corrected, but it's not going to be you getting corrected over things that you should not be doing. You're going to be getting corrected over things that you really, truly, genuinely don't have the knowledge of. You're going to get corrected over things that you're doing that you don't realize you're doing that you need to stop doing and come out of. All right. Now, these were not obedient to God. How do I say that? Look at what it says. But a certain fearfulness, I'm sorry, uh, of how much sore punishment. These were not obedient to God and counted Christ's blood as nothing. Let's go into the scripture and see why. It says, of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith we, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite to the spirit of grace. These are not obedient people and these are people who have counted Christ's blood as nothing if God was just a God of love and grace and mercy where's this vengeance part coming from in, 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 in the 30th verse where it said for we know him that has said vengeance belongeth unto me vengeance is revenge I don't take revenge on somebody that I, I, I have mercy on I don't take vengeance on somebody that I have that I'm giving grace to so if God is talking about vengeance, which is, is revenge, where is the grace and mercy side of God in, in this scripture? If there's only one side of God. The reason why I'm pointing this out, I'll keep coming back to this, 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 what I'm saying, where is the grace and mercy side, is to help you to understand, those of you who just say there's only one side of God, is oh, God is just a God of grace and mercy, God is... Is to get you to understand that you need to open your mind, expand your mind, expand your horizons, and look at the full aspect of God. Because you got a lot of people who believe that there's only one side of God, and in the process of them believing that there's only one side of God, they're only serving that side of God. But in the process of them serving that side of God, they're blind to the other side of God, which is still gonna wind up getting them because in the process of them only trying to be obedient to this one side of God, they're disallowing and ignoring the other side that keeps them out of God's, off of God's bad side. You can't just have, just be on one side of God and ignore the other side. No, you have to be in full knowledge of that side so that you know what to do to stay off that side of God. This is the reason why so many people that claim that they're saved, they're talking about how blessed they are and they got all this mouth about God and salvation. This is the reason why they don't have it. This is the reason why they say that they're saved, but they're doing whatever it is that saved people don't do. Because they're only in believing that there's only one side of God and therefore deceived, therefore blind, therefore ignorant to the fact that they're heading in the wrong direction. 